And we thank you, Jesus. We'll be studying some of the words of the Lord this morning. <clears throat> we have been in, in the book of Matthew, and we'll return there. If you go with me to the sixth chapter, we spoke out of the sixth chapter last week. But the Lord has, well, I'm going to say a couple of things about this that I hadn't thought about. And I mentioned this to Brother Dustin the other night, but it's just something that, something special, more special than somebody just giving, getting, getting up and giving a bunch of things for us to do. But let's read Matthew 6. I want to read um, beginning at the uh, fifth verse. I just want to read the fifth and the sixth. And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the open streets. So that they may be seen of men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your room, and shutting your door, pray to your Father in secret, and your Father, seeing in secret, will repay you in the open. Now, Lord, I'm going to try. These were your words, and this is what you preached. This is what you taught them. I'm just going to try to repeat your words, your thoughts. I pray that you would give me out of the Spirit an elevated word this morning, not just something of the flesh, but an elevated discourse that our spirit can reach to this, Lord. Not the flesh, man, but our spirit will reach out. Lord, our heart will hear it this morning, and we know that you'll help us. We know that you'll guide us, Lord Jesus. We give you the glory. Amen. 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 I begin to realize something. I've read the Beatitudes. I've read Matthew 5, 6, 7 so many times. And we have talked about that here in the last few Sundays. But I'm beginning to realize that there's something better here than just surface do's and don'ts. A lot of times we take the Bible for the do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Uh, we have an, a lot of obligations that we take on as duties as Christians. And uh, I think a lot of it comes from what we call the do's and the don'ts in Scripture. But I think there's something bigger going on here. I think the Lord, in speaking to his disciples here, is revealing himself to them I think probably one of the one of the reasons why we feel like that God just gives us commandments and just 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 do them is coming from an Old Testament time it really was sort of that way but as you understand that the Old Testament was not the real the law was not the real God wanted to do something greater than the law the law was. It opened our eyes to the do's and don'ts. It, it, it opened our eyes to us being sinners. It showed us that we couldn't live up to the standard that we needed to live up to. But it was all setting us up for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so I believe that the Lord not only is teaching here. But in his teaching he is revealing himself. To the hearers. And, and we are down the road a ways, about 2,000 years, but we still are hearing the words of the Lord. So, in essence, I, I kind of view it this way uh, He's speaking to them and saying to them, do this and do that, but really what He's telling them is, this is the man that I am. The more I, I, I begin to understand about the man, Christ Jesus, the more I realize that that is where God's calling us. He's not calling us to be heavenly. He's calling us to be men that follow the master. You know, I think in a lot of ways in our backgrounds and, and church stuff, we've, we've kind of lost that. 
But I see Jesus here, standing here, telling them as he's teaching to them, this is the man that I am. I want to show you some things about do's and don'ts. I want to show you who I am. I'm telling you this, my disciples, so that you too can be like your rabbi master. Now, isn't that what he said? Is that the student should be like the master. Now, he'll never be greater than the master. It's good enough for him to become like the master. You'll never be the master rabbi, so give up. I mean, we've got a lot of those people that think they are. You see them on TV. They think they're a cut above. <laughs> they're up there somewhere. They pretty much got, got God on a, you know, on a puppet string. He, they're just kind of telling him what to do. You'll never be the rabbi. Don't try to be the rabbi. Try to be like the rabbi. Does everybody say amen? So we relieve ourselves from trying to be God. Don't try and be God. Just try and be a disciple of the master rabbi himself. And so I think it's established in scripture and I think it's something that we have dwelt on a long time and I believe this totally is that we are changed by the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're not changed. I mean, you could turn over a new leaf. You can, you can have a, a moment of light come on for you and feel like that, that you're going to do something differently now. But really, you're not. You're going to gravitate right back to where you were. But you're only going to be changed by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, we used to think that you could get everybody up in a prayer line and pray over them. And, uh, you know, if you fell down on the ground or, or if you got excited, and, and I'm, not, I'm not against a shout. I'm not against um, somebody, you know, getting excited in the Lord. I, I think that you should. But that in itself is not going to change your life. The revelation of Jesus Christ will change your life. Talking about a long-term change. I mean, emotions and, and, and just getting really high in spirit, that, that may change us for a week or a day or a few hours. But if you want long-term change in your life, you need the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not church stuff. Everybody say amen. Not, not, all, not all to getting all the church stuff right. The revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in that... How that it, it deals with my life. How the revelation of Christ is in my heart and in my life. And that's what continues to change me. And He is ever revealing. The good thing about the Lord, He never stops revealing. He was in the beginning. And we look at that Yahweh word that uh, it really doesn't have one particular meaning. It just means that He is the self-revealing God that he, he reveals himself. That's what he intended to do in the beginning. It's what he still does. He reveals himself. But only to those who hunger and thirst after him. But he is a constant revealing God. And if you say in your heart, you say, wow, man, it's been a while since I just really felt God change something in me or move something in me. I want you to know that it's available right now, that the Lord continues. We're not looking for an end-time revival for this to happen. I have a bone to pick, like I do a lot of times. I don't believe in an end-time revival. Just don't believe in it. I believe there are those disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who are going to find Him, who are going to follow Him, and there are people who are hungry who are going to find the Lord. But I don't see a great end time revival. Rather, what the scripture says, I see a falling away from the truth. From the truth of the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the problem with church right now. We've gathered everything else together. All the entertainments and all the things that make people excited. But have left the revelation of Jesus Christ out the door. And expected people to follow the Lord. You can't follow what you don't know. You will not follow what you do not know. Christ has to be revealed in your heart. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. So we, we continue on that and we believe that. So 
Here he is teaching his followers, not just the twelve, but his followers, how to pray. Now, in Luke, I think it's the 11th chapter, they come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Pastor Rodney here, a month ago now, I think it has been, he taught about uh, the scripture that says that sometimes we know not what we should pray, but the Spirit prays, the Spirit helps us, the Spirit brings us to a place of prayer. And I believe that. But sometimes the disciples just, they said, John's, John's disciples, they know how to pray. He teaches them to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And so here it is. Here it is. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's very simple. He lays it out right here. This, this is prayer. Now, this isn't just to you. This is what he did. He's revealing to them how to pray, but he's revealing to them how he prays. So that's going to change this just a little bit. Is everybody okay? That's going to change this just a little bit. See, we look at Jesus like, I'm up here, and now you all just do what I tell you to do, and then I'll go off. No, that's big-time preacher stuff. That, that's not the Lord. The Lord became flesh like we are and dwelled as a man. And, and, and so, here we go. He says, don't, number one, don't be hypocritical about prayer. I do not believe that there is a time slot that God requires each of us to pray every day. I don't believe that. I don't believe it's a duty. A Christian duty that's hung on us. I got to put in my time. And if I don't put in my time, then, you know, I'm not really doing my Christian walk. No, no, no. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. That's not what prayer's about. That becomes hypocritical to us. First of all, we're not praying to find other men's approval. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's not what we're doing. Well, boy, I tell you what, so-and-so, they are a praying man. How did you know that? Because they're praying, and they want you to know that they're praying. You know, I pray an hour a day. I just heard a guy the other day, he said, I've been, ever since I was young, I made a dedication that I pray an hour a day. Good on you. Good on you. Why are you blowing your horn? Um, you have your reward? Your reward is that people can say, oh, wow, that's a praying man. Look at that. He's a, he's a man of God. Said That's all backwards. That's, that's not what God wants in our life. Prayer is not about showing ourselves religious to others. So don't, he said, don't be as hypocrites and pray to be seen of men. Rather pray in secret. I think the King James says, you go in the closet, I think is what it says. Yeah, go in thy closet. Well, really, really what the Lord said here, the Greek word is to go into your room. And, and I think you, the, the deal here is that you're separating yourself from other people. Okay? Now, so we're just going to talk about prayer. If everybody's okay this morning, we're going to talk about prayer. The family that prays together stays together. So we gather everybody around and we make everybody pray. Well, that, that's a good idea. You know, I like to pray. We pray as a couple. Well, that's, that's okay. That's okay. But that's not this. This is your prayer. This is your life. And it's not done out here beyond anybody else. Jesus, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to say that this is what he did as a young man. Would he tell you to do something he didn't do himself? I believe as a young man, he had brothers and sisters, and they're running around the house, and, and uh, you know, he comes in from, he's out working, he's been there with Joseph doing whatever in the carpenter shop or whatever they did, and then at some point during that day, he's going to shut the door on everything, and he's just going to get in the room by himself. I, he wouldn't tell you to do that if that's not his practice himself. And so, 
basically what it is, it's just shutting yourself off from other people. It's, it's just not, you know, we're not, there is time for community prayer, the church prays, when the church prays. And, and I believe in that, and we do. We just did it. We just prayed. I prayed here, and everybody's praying there. We're all praying. And that's good, and that's beautiful. But your time before the Lord, your prayer time before the Lord, has nothing to do with the congregation of the people. That's a different time. So you shut yourself in the room. Secondly, I like this one. <clears throat> I'm going to read you the word-for-word word rendering here so you can get this. This is good. Don't blubber nonsensical, repetitious, or chatter long-winded prayers using empty words. Don't pray practiced prayers because they're meaningless. Don't use liturgies. You know, the church got to a place where the people were so simple, they didn't know how to pray, they didn't know what to do. So the church wrote liturgies for them to pray. And now I don't, you know, I've, never, I've seen some Catholic, never been in a Catholic uh, or or uh, Episcopal church, but there are certain times when their father, preacher, whoever he is, stops at a certain point, and the whole church does this little liturgy and prayer thing. Now, that's not a prayer. That's not a prayer. When you go into that room, don't babble things. Don't do practiced prayer. That's not, that's going to do no good for your life at all. And, and then he says it this way, this is what the other nations do. The other religions do. We don't, we don't pattern Christianity after other religions. No. The pattern of Christianity is after Christ and what he did. So, and then he says, do not be like them, like the world. Christianity is separate from everything else. Christianity is not like Hinduism. It, it is not like, like Muslims who get down... On a, on a prayer towel, and, and they pray towards Mecca. That We don't pattern after that. And they do that three times a day. So Christians should do that three times a day. No! We don't pattern ourselves after what the world does or any religion in the world does. Christianity is separate. Because prayer must come from the heart. That's why we're not just repeating prayers. We're not just going through time. And if I can get 10 minutes in here, no, prayer must come from the heart and it must be sincere before God. You must mean it. You must mean it. There's prayer that people just, I don't think God hears it. Just because you pray doesn't mean he hears it. You do it his way, then he hears it. So then Jesus goes on to say, your father knows what you have need of before you even ask. Okay, then why pray? He already knows, right? So I just go on my way and... No, that, that's not the answer. Jesus said, when you pray, you are going to pray. Pray after this manner. One of my favorites, it's been years since I've really talked about this. I won't go into depth of it this morning. But what we call the Lord's Prayer. And somebody said, well, it really wasn't the Lord's Prayer. It's our prayer. No, I believe it was the Lord's Prayer. I believe he prayed this way. He wouldn't give us something that he's not doing himself. And so we, we can repeat that prayer. We'll, we'll go through it. But as a man, he prayed in the manner that he told us to pray in. Same format. Well, how did Jesus pray? There it is. Lord, teach us to pray. Well, I'm going to tell you how I pray. Here it is. And so, you know, I've always kind of had in my mind, and maybe you have too, why did Jesus need to pray? Here he is, only begotten Son of God. Why does he need? He stands up and says, I am... Before Abraham, I am. He goes back, he predates everything, I am. He is God on earth, and yet he prays. Again, he's showing a pattern. He is the rabbi, the teacher, and he's showing us by his example 
how that we should follow what he does. And so he prayed. He emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, having become in the likeness of men, and in appearance being found as a man. I'm going to tell you why we pray. Everybody listen up real close now. I'm, I'm just teaching this morning. I want to tell you why we pray. We pray human limitations are the cause for our prayer. Human limitation. When we get to heaven someday, you're not going to pray anymore. Don't need to. But while you were in the flesh, you're going to need to pray. Jesus was a man found in the fashion of a man. And as long as he was a man, it was necessary for him to pray. I said, well, that, you know, that really doesn't make sense. I mean, he's got all power. He can walk on water. He can, he can change water to wine. He can call people out of the grave. But as long as he's in the flesh, he's going to pray. Prayer is for humanity. Prayer is not for heaven. Prayer is for humanity. We need prayer. There's a lot of things that go on in prayer that aren't going to happen anyplace else in your life. So human limitation causes the need for prayer in our life. And Jesus limited himself to being a human. And because of that, then he prayed. Well, what did he pray? Well, we'll see that in just a second. In prayer, we do a few things. Let me, let me, uh, let me bring those. We align ourselves with the words of the Lord. That's one of the things that we do in prayer. Prayer is a time of separation. We get ourselves now. Now we say to ourselves, this is a special time. This is a time that, that, that I've set before the Lord. And now because of that, we begin to align ourselves with the words of the Lord. We do that in prayer. Number two, we humble ourselves from the carnal mind to the mind of Christ. You're not going to do that watching TV. You're not going to do that going out and playing ball. You're only going to do that in a time of solace before the Lord. Is that your mind gets in touch. And the apostle said, we have the mind of Christ. Well, how do you get the mind of Christ? Well, I heard a sermon down there. No, no, no. It's got to come into your heart. And there has to be a time of your praying and relating that from your humanity into God. And the Spirit of the Lord ministering that into your heart. Then... We petition the Lord for our human needs. It's right for us to petition the Lord. It's okay. If you have a need, it's okay. If you had a need last week, pray. pray. If the need's still there, pray again. You can pray over the same thing several times. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Jesus said, the, the, like the little woman that kept after the judge, kept after the judge, and after the judge, and avenge me of my adversary. And then finally, the guy said, that's enough. I don't want to hear anymore. I'm going to avenge you. Well, that's kind of, you know, how we see God like that. But, but still, we pray, we pray, we pray. I told Carrie the other day that she's still sick. We're going to pray every time you need it. Well, I prayed one time back there. No, no, no. If you need it today, today, give us today. And so whatever our need is today, we go in prayer. Amen. And so our human needs are also a care of the Lord because he said to pray about that. We pray about provision. We pray about protection. I hope you do. I pray God protect my children. God protect my, my grandchildren. My little, I pray over Nip. They got to protect him. I pray for those in the womb. I've got two great grandbabies in the womb and I'm praying for them. I believe in praying for God's protection, for his health in our body, for his wisdom and understanding that we need because our human mind is frail. We don't always catch it. And then finally, I, I see that the fourth thing and the most needy thing in us is to commune with the Lord, to commune with Him, to fellowship with Him. Now, how many of you, by the raising of hand, I've got to raise some hands right here because I'm losing you. I don't, I don't want to lose you. How many of you, by the raising of hands, feel like that sometimes prayer is just one way? Yeah. I prayed. Let's see. I'm not getting any answers back. 
Like, okay, it's time for you to talk now, Lord. I've been talking. But God isn't going to talk that way. He's going to talk in our spirit. And so we commune back and forth. Now, we're saying the words. Lord, we're, we're talking to the Lord. We're talking to the Lord. And now he is communing back in our heart, in our spirit. So you're not going to hear. I've, I've talked with a few people that have literally heard an audible voice of God. But it is so few and far between. I'm not saying he can't or he won't do that. But what I'm telling you is don't wait. <laughs> don't wait for that. Because he may or he may not. So now, let's look at this pattern of prayer. I'm just going to do it kind of King James Version here. This I pray, and this was the Lord's Prayer. He gave us his personal prayer. Teach us to pray, Lord. Okay, I'll do the best I can. I'm going to give you my personal prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You can't start prayer out being silly and stupid. Our Father in heaven, now I address you, hallowed, sanctified, glorified, greatest, most pious thing I can do is say, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Before I ever get to me, I've got to realize something about his kingdom. His kingdom is more important than my personal need in prayer. His kingdom, His will, His desire is greater than what I think my need is. And so we present to Him first. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth. That's us, mankind, on earth. Heaven. You know, I was thinking about this. The only thing that's out of order in His creation, guess what? Us. The earth's not out of order. The animals aren't out of order. The seasons and times aren't out of order. The weather is not out of order. The only thing out of order is us. So, Lord, as it is in heaven, so on earth. Now, give us this day our daily bread. These are the human needs, the human plight now. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. That's human plight. As we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Do you know what the greatest temptation in your life is? For you to take over. Well, it's, it's not, you know, the girls club down here. It, it's not, you know, get your phone out and look at something you shouldn't be looking at. The greatest temptation in your life is to take control. But lead us, Lord. David said, Lord God, lead me in a path of righteousness for your name's sake. Lead us in paths of righteousness, Lord. God, then, then he, he ends this thing. And it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So I've got something that, that I realized here, and I, and I want to share it with you. This prayer, not the exact words. Jesus said, pray on this manner. Um, oh, what was his name? Big preacher that went to San Francisco and is going to deliver everything down there. Lost his church. He, he, he put out a book, Can You Not Pray for One Hour? Yeah, Larry Lee. He, Can You Not Pray With Me for One Hour? And he took the Lord's Prayer and he broke it down so that you could pray the Lord's Prayer in one hour. So you follow his book? No! I'm not following that stuff. It's got to come out of my heart. So when I address my Lord, it's got to come out of my heart. That humbleness and that, 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 that piety that I feel towards Him. That sanctimonious time in my life. got to come out of the issue of my heart. Everybody say, Amen. It's got to come out of here. Not out of somebody's book. And so, what's awesome though, is that this prayer fulfills what Jesus said later. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now watch this. Thy kingdom come, and at the end of it, 
Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Book ends. He's more concerned about his kingdom than he is our little individual needs. Now, I, I know that's going to hurt some feelings there. Well, I thought Jesus cares about all my boo-boos. He does care, but he cares about his kingdom. The bookends of his prayer is the kingdom. So I'm thinking about we pray inside the kingdom. And when you pray inside the kingdom prayers, a lot of your little wants and desires and wishes and all the things that that you're wanting from Santa Claus God aren't going to happen because you're not going to be praying that way. You're going to be praying for the needs. Now listen, if you don't have provision in your life, you don't have food to eat, you're not going to be long in the kingdom. If you don't have health in your body, if you don't have the ability, you're not going to be long in the kingdom. So if you're praying out of the kingdom or a kingdom prayer, you're also praying, God, give me sustenance today. Give me strength in my body so I can be that witness for you, so I can fulfill the things that you've sent us to do as the the children of the kingdom. So it's not wrong to pray that way. But everything that we need is sandwiched in between thy kingdom come for thine is the kingdom. Now, I want to go to the book of James just for a little bit, and then, then we're, going to, we're going to close down. This is going to be short today, shorter. James said to the church, all eyes open on this one, because you've heard the prosperity gospel. I want to let you know that the prosperity gospel is from hell. It is an antithesis of the teaching of Jesus Christ. Now James says this, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order that you may spend it on your own lusts and desires. There's a lot of things you may want that you aren't never going to get in this life. Hello. Well, I thought Jesus, he said, you know, Whatsoever things you pray in my name, I'll do it. We're going to qualify that a little bit. Because if you're not praying out of the kingdom, if you're praying that you may heap it upon yourself, that you just might have more and more and more. We are so blessed where we are. We are so blessed. The people of America are so blessed. Why do you think we just took up offerings for the Mexican churches A lot of them don't even have enough money to support their pastors. They don't have enough money to even do the things that they need to do for the gospel. And we are so, so blessed. But we're being taught that don't never say enough. Keep on begging. Prayer's not about begging God for more stuff. That's a lie from the devil. That is not kingdom prayer. But praying God. We need your help. We need your sustenance. We need your provision. We need you, Lord, to make us able to do the things that we need to do as a kingdom of God. Then that's the kingdom prayer. Now, James goes on in the fifth chapter, and you can follow if you want to in the 13th verse. Does anyone among you, uh, is anyone suffering hardships among you? Hardships. The early church had a lot of hardships. We don't know about those. We live in the United States of America where somebody does us wrongly. You just, you know, we just turn around, take them to court and whatever. We got our rights. We have a bill of rights. Does everybody like a bill of rights? The early church had no bill of rights. They come under persecution. They had hardships of all kinds. Well, if you run into the hardship, let me, let me give you what you should do. You should pray. You should pray. Kingdom prayer. Is anyone cheerful? Anybody cheerful in the house this morning? I hope there's some, some people come in here and said, I am so happy that I'm not in a hardship this morning. I'm so happy. I just, I just want to thank God. Well, then, then James says, if anybody's cheerful, let him praise the Lord in song. 
And we just did that. I hope that when you come in the house of God, you may have some needs, and we're going to pray about those. You may have some turmoil, some hardships going on in your life, and we're going to pray about those. But when it comes time to praise, that you'll let the praise fly, that you'll let that cheerful spirit inside of you say, God, it's time to bless your name and praise your name. See, it's all part of the uh, package. Is there any infirm among you? Let him summon the presbytery of the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I saw something, that, and, and I do this. When I'm reading along in the Greek text, and I see something that I don't normally see, and I hit in this next, next uh, sentence, it says, and King James, and it says, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And, and I get looking at that a little bit. It uses a different word for prayer. So, well, let the presbytery lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and pray in the name of Jesus. And then it says, the prayer of faith. Oh, wait a minute. It uses a different word. It's the word for vow. I'm vowing a vow. Mm. No wonder if he has committed any sin, it's going to be forgiven him. So we're talking about this like whole restoration thing. People thought in the old time that if you got sick, you'd sinned. It has run full course. The word of faith movement says that if you're sick, you've sinned. You don't have faith. That's what they used to believe. And James is trying to put that away because we're not talking about sickness because of result of sin. It can happen. There can be reasons. Come, there can be things coming in your body because of sin. I believe that. But, but here's the provision is that the ministry comes. They lay their hands on the sick. And we do that here. We believe. We, we anoint with oil. I have oil right here. We don't always do it. But but we, we just anoint with oil. And all that means is just to smear with oil. And then we pray in the name of the Lord. But then that person makes a vow before God. And I'll tell you why they didn't get healed. Your faith wasn't right. No, maybe your vow wasn't right. I've seen a lot of people come in church and get prayed for and then go out and live like the devil. That's not God's desire. God's desire, I'm going to bring you in here. I'm going to help you. I'm going to heal your life. I'm going to forgive your sin if you had any sin. But you're going to do a vow before me that you are going to follow and continue to follow Jesus Christ. Well, I've never felt like that was necessary. Well, it's there. We just had never seen it. But the vow of faith will rescue the weary one. And the Lord will refresh him and will awake him and raise him up. And even if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven of him. And therefore, I don't like this part, and a lot of people here aren't going to like this part. Therefore, willfully admit your lapse and deviation from truth or righteousness to one another. And it just simply says, confess your faults one towards another. I'm not good at that. Is anybody here good at that? I just go over to Brother Dustin and say, Brother Dustin, man, I just have a lot of faults, brother. No, I go to Brother Dustin and I act like I don't have any faults. But if you're willful to confess and openly say, no, no, I've had a little, little lapse in judgment here. I've had, I've had a little lapse of what I should be doing. And, and, and now, brother, I need restoration and, and strong prayer. Pray over one another. Pray over one another. And then it says that strong prayer. King James, effectual fervent prayer. Well, I don't know what effectual fervent prayer is. It's just intense. It's just strong. It's meaningful. It's, it's focused. And then we go to Elijah was a man. Everybody say, a man. Elijah was a prophet. One of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. In fact, the spirit of Elijah is going to come back uh, before Christ comes to the first event. Before he is born into the earth, the spirit of Elijah is going to come. And if you believe it, it's John, John the Baptist 
was the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was a great man. When, when the Lord goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, one of the figures that came down, Elijah. Elijah represents the old prophets. He represents those. And Elijah was a man who had like feelings of you and I. Get out of your mind that preachers, big name, so-called prophets, so-called evangelists, so-called apostles are kind of immune from everything, you know. They're kind of, they're kind of special. Don't get that out of your mind because every one of them is a man. Elijah was a man. He had, he had feelings just like you do. The point here is what, he, what he's going to try and show the church is that Elijah prayed, but he, pr he prayed effectually. He prayed fervently before the Lord, intensely before the Lord, but he was just a man. Elijah had the feelings like you and I. Oh, he was rejoicing on Carmel. When he went up and put the sacrifice up there and said, Hey, who's ever God answers by fire, that's the one that we're going to serve. And all of Israel said, Yeah, this looks right. And so all of Baal and the prophets and did their thing until the afternoon, until the evening they could not call down fire. And I'm going to tell you something. Elijah is giddy. He's like it said he mocked them. He's laughing at them. And then God answered his prayer by fire. Lapped up the sacrifice. Lapped up the water. And then Elijah's, Elijah said, come on, we got, we got some house cleaning to do. And they took those 850 prophets and killed them at the edge of the sword. He was rejoicing. He outran the chariot down to Jezreel. Ahab, get in your chariot because I prayed now. Seven times I prayed and now I see that the clouds are coming in and it is going to rain. And he took off running and it said that he ran ahead of the chariot. Now he must have been faster than the horse running down to Jezreel. And when he gets to Jezreel and they tell Jezebel that, a that, that all of her Baal prophets have been killed and slain, she says, send this message to Elijah that tomorrow, at this time, he will be like them. And now the great man of God, the great prayer man, takes off running for his life. Said he ran a day into the wilderness. to a little cushion there. Because they're going to come looking for him to kill him. And he's back in there. Whining and a crying, he just like you and I. And then James goes on to say, he was just a man, but he prayed. But, but I want to show you something. He's out in the wilderness, scared to death. Why isn't he praying then? He's such a prayer warrior, why isn't he praying? Because it wasn't the time. He was scared to death, and he would just trying to sustain his life somehow. But the Lord's going to deal with him. Listen, I'm, even though Paul said, pray without ceasing, we've got to understand that doesn't mean go out and pray 24 hours a day. That's not what I was talking about. Really what it means is don't cease to pray. In other words, there's going to come times where you're going to have to have an intense prayer in your life. There are times during the day of devotion, what we call devotion, just a fellowship with the Lord. And we take that time and we fellowship and pray. But there, there's going to come some needs in your life. You're going to be scared. You're going to be running. You're going to be looking for somehow provision in your life. It looks like it's caving in on you. And the effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people like you, not me, like you, this is what James is trying to tell the church. Don't wait for a revival. Don't get on a plane and go down to Florida somewhere looking for somebody to put their hand on your head. You've got a right, as a child of God, you've got a right to pray an effectual, fervent prayer over your life. And you come in the house, we're going to help you. 
You still got infirmity. We're going to help you. You still got problems. We're going to help you. But there is a right. If you are a righteous person, there's a right for you to pray. Isn't that awesome? Man, if I could just get down to the right guy. No, 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 no. The right guy is our Lord. He's our Savior. That's the one we need to get to. Amen. And so, James encouraging the whole church, all the saints, to pray. Not apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. Certainly not mega, mega uh, preachers. Not mega evangelists. Big time. Don't send them your money, please. Buy bubblegum. Do anything. Don't send them your money. They do not have a special prayer for you. They are liars. Their prayer will do no good. If they did pray over your request, which you sent them, which they won't. So when you pray, ask in my name and I will do it. And I want to show you something real quick. The Lord has the right to take your prayer and do whatever He wants to with it. So, so I prayed this and the Lord said, mm-mm. Yeah, we're not doing that. We're doing this. And so the answer to the prayer that you gave is not like what you sent up. No, he said, you pray anything you pray in my name, I'll do it. No, time out. Paul prayed three times. You talk about a man that knew how to pray. A man that established Christianity in the early world. A man that wrote two-thirds of our Bible prayed three times. I don't know what his thorn in the flesh was. It doesn't really matter what it was. But the Lord said to him, huh, I'm not doing it. Instead, my grace will be sufficient for you. See, now we've been taught that word for word, whatever we pray, that's what God has to do. He doesn't have to do anything. He takes that prayer. Now, I want to put you as a father or a mother, those of you that's had children, and for sure all of you have been children. So, come to, come to mama, and, and they know that you're going to give them whatever they need, right? But that doesn't mean that at 13 years old, the boy comes around and says, I need your keys, I'm going to take your car. He's your child, and he is... You know, you have vowed to, to give him what he needed. But you're going to take that request and change it around, and it's going to be, where do you want to go? I can take you, but you're not driving the car. The Lord also has the right to do that. No wonder, no wonder we don't know what to pray. We're, praying, we're praying for things we shouldn't be praying for sometimes. Because God is going to take that. And I'm going to tell you what. I've found out that he knows better than I do anyway. Lord, this is what I need. No, that's not what you need. This is what you need. Lord, I need you to take that thorn in my flesh. Get it away from me. Oh, he didn't do it. Okay, I'll pray again. God, I, I already told you once. I'm going to tell you again. I need that thorn in my flesh taken away. No, no answer. No answer. How many times do I have to pray about this? And the Lord says, I'm not doing it. I'm giving you grace instead. How many of us are willing for that? So when you pray, we're not demanding. Brother Dustin, it's a, I've got to repeat this again. He said that the, the Mesopotamian gods, that you could do certain things in their religion and their God had to answer it. Your God doesn't have to do anything. The Lord doesn't. He's not bound. Oh, he's bound to his word. That pompous woman, I hate her teaching. She's Jezebel in the church. If you know how to work the word, the word, the word will work for you. That is a lie from hell. You can't take God's word and manipulate him. What you can do is humble yourself and pray before him. And now you ask him and he will do what he wants to do about it. One time I was reading in the Old Testament where... 
somebody came to the man of God, and the man of God said, I forget just exactly who it was right now, but the man of God said, we're going to take this to the Lord, and it used this King James word, pre-adventure, that he might do it. Pre-adventure? I thought we order him. Didn't he hear me? I said, I want this and that. No, you bring it to the Lord, and he's going to do it the way he wants to do it. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you what. This, this property is such an example of that to us. I don't mean to just, well, we're going to be here anyway, so I do mean. Come out here two years ago, about this time two years ago. Except that'd make a nice church. Come in here, the gate was open, the door was open. Stuff was falling apart. Man, I'd make a, just make a really good church. Found out what they wanted for it. I said, I'm going to make us a good church. We made them an offer, and they said, ah! So we prayed about it. I said, Lord, we need a church. We need a church. Lord, we need a church. We need a building. Go down there, and, they, and, and the guy was so on fire, he came back in my face and, and told me, you don't need a church. What you need is Holy Ghost revival. Said, well, we might need Holy Ghost revival, but we need a church. So we pray, right? Come on, Lord. We prayed. We tried this. We tried that. We offered over here. We offered over there. And, and where are you at, Lord? What's going on? Nothing worked out. Nothing would, nothing would gel. Nothing would come together. It's because he wanted to do it when he wanted to do it. He didn't want to do it when we wanted to do it. But I told him, it doesn't matter what you told him. God would do everything in his own time. So when you pray, we present it to the Lord. We've done our part. We just believe Him. Okay, Lord. I've done it. I believe You. I trust You. I believe You know best. Howard Goodman, at the end of his life, you know the Goodman family, they sang Howard Goodman at the end of his life, and I watched this little testimony. I don't know. Can you run it up there? Look real quick. It's on YouTube. I don't regret a mile. It's the one where he has a little cane in his hand. He wrote a song at the end of his life. He preached his whole life. And I think, you know, they got a lot of involved in a lot of the sort of entertainment side. But I believe the man, he also pastored and believe he loved the Lord. And he wrote this song at the end of his life. I don't regret a mile. I've traveled for the Lord. And There's one song, simple sugar hack anyone can use. He talks about um, he talks about the things that he's done in life a little bit, and some of them didn't pan out. Some friends he had that didn't pan out. Some dreams that he had that just never came to be. And you know, it's it, it's it's sombering sobering to me that at the end of your life you would look back and you would understand that everything you wanted to do God didn't necessarily want to do. But we've been so long ordering God around it we, we just don't even hardly understand it. There it is. Just, just play this song. Before we go eat, she's been singing. Well, I was singing a long time before I met her. But I don't have to tell how old she is. She's not quite as old as I am. But I've had a lot of joy singing in my lifetime. Oh, I've seen some hard places. But I've seen a lot of victory. I've come to places, had to give up loved ones. And I've been at the place that 
I never will forget I was building a church and built it and pastored it for a long time. And uh, I thought everybody would be glad I came to town because I was happy Goodman. And I found out didn't didn't much, many of them want me there too bad. But I had seen people come and go and didn't stand with me. But in through all of those things, the victories, the disappointments, the trials, whatever, one day I began to write a little song and put the words together.
enjoyed that. It just, when I was thinking about it, he said many prayers that he waited long and hard for them to come to pass. Didn't see them all, but he had enough of them to keep praying on. So we're just going to keep praying on. Amen. Amen. So when you pray, when you pray, do it like he did it. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to go to lunch and enjoy the uh, fellowship food. And it looks like a whole bunch of good stuff back there. So thank you, ladies. And I can't just thank the ladies. I did a little cooking myself. So, but uh, we'll have a good time back there. Lord, bless our, our time of food and fellowship together, Lord. And just make it rich between us. We pray in your name. Amen.